When I was young, I was raised on a farm. Not like a working farm with animals and industrial crops, but a large plot of land that was mostly wilderness. My closest neighbors were about a mile away as the crow flies, although closer to two miles by road. I had plenty of space to be wild. I had grassy fields, dense forests, several ponds of various sizes, a hay barn, and even a log cabin that my dad had built. There was always a lot happening in the summer, with several ways to earn my allowance. Heck, there was often enough going on that I could earn extra spending money by working in the hay fields or in the garden. Once the cold months rolled around, it wasn't as easy to find extra chores. I didn't exactly have neighboring driveways to shovel, after all. One cold winter day, I approached my dad about earning some extra spending money, but I had no idea what chores I could do to justify it. He thought about it for some time, and eventually came to me with an idea. Now, when my dad was growing up, he had a lot of trouble with his eyes. It took a while for his family to realize that he needed glasses, but by that time he was already several grades into school. This affected his reading skills, because when he was being taught, he literally could not see the letters well enough to read them, which, in turn, affected his writing skills. In those days, Good enough was all that you needed to get through school, and teachers didn't really focus on those students who needed extra help catching up. So when I asked my dad what I could do to earn extra allowance in the winter, he suggested that I write. I would be paid a set amount per page due every Friday. It was kind of like working for a newspaper before the days of online clickbait news cycles. Of course, my writing was almost always fiction or sci-fi, so I suppose it was more like working for world's best science fiction stories or something along those lines. Being a child of the 90s, of course I wrote about the things that were popular at the time. The Alien, Predator, and Terminator franchises, Dungeons and Dragons, X-Files, and Magic the Gathering, which was still in its infancy when I began. Man, was I a nerdy kid. Of course, these topics were some of the ways that my dad and I bonded. So hearing the stories that I wrote in these already familiar settings was probably fun for him. Then again, it didn't matter what I wrote as long as I filled one full page from our dot matrix printer. It was at this time that I learned about WordCraft. I discovered how alliteration can convey certain moods by repeating a specific sound pattern over and over again. I learned how the very first word of a written piece has a very specific role to play in setting the theme for the story. I learned that expanding your vocabulary isn't always the easiest task, but it allows your words to better fill the page. I even spent some of my extra earnings on a pocket thesaurus specifically for this purpose. Now that I think about it, it also taught me how to invest in tools that helped me to work more efficiently. As you can tell, writing has been a big part of my life ever since I was a child. It's not always easy getting the words out of your head and onto the page, but that was the purpose of my writing exercises. Knowing how to write is only one part of the process. 
figuring out what to write is not always simple. Every subject has its own specific parameters, and sometimes knowing those parameters is the first step to improvement. This leads us into tonight's book, The Magical Writing Grimoire by Lisa Marie Basile. How to Use the Word as Your Wand for Magic, Manifestation, and Ritual. I'm your host, Jason, and you're listening to the Esoteric Book Club. Welcome back, goblins! Before we get started, I want to take a moment to thank the members of the Esoteric Archive. Specifically, Annie Kay and Grand Inquisitor Samantha. Donations from the Esoteric Archive help to pay server costs, purchase reading materials, and to make sure that I have a constant supply of coffee in my bloodstream. If you would like to join the Esoteric Archive, you can find me at patreon.com forward slash esoteric book club. All members get early access to episodes, and those pledging $3 or more a month get extended book club episodes. Anyone pledging at higher tiers will also get a shout out on future episodes. If Patreon isn't your thing, you can also make a one time donation through PayPal. Links to all of this will be in the show notes. I know it's annoying to hear all this at the beginning of every episode, but it keeps you from having to hear commercials about the latest trending mobile game or, like, personal grooming products. Podcast fans, you know what I'm talking about. Tonight, we are taking a look at a book that I found while perusing the bargain section at a local book and coffee store. It was stashed on a library cart along with a handful of other books on witchy topics, but for some reason, this one caught my eye. I flipped it over and read the short description from the back cover. The magical writing grimoire shows you how to incorporate writing as a magical tool to create healing and amplify spellcasting. Okay, that's an interesting premise. I continued to read. Whenever and wherever you are, word magic is with you. During times of chaos or pain, or simply when you need a cosmic boost, writing can help. Healers and magical practitioners have long incorporated writing into their practices. From letter writing for creative closure to dream diaries, writing is a powerful process moving your dreams into manifestation. Hmm. I was on board until that last part. Turning dreams into manifestation is dangerously close to woo-woo territory for me. Then again, I do a podcast about aliens and magic, so... Let's keep reading. The magical writing grimoire approaches writing as a self-actualizing, intentional, and healing act. You will learn how to combine writing with ritual and magic, for self-discovery, amplifying intentions, and manifesting your creations. You will also be guided in how to create a personal grimoire, a magical book of self-rituals, spells, and intentions. 
Each chapter contains writing prompts that also incorporate magical rituals and tools, including working with crystals, spell incantations, or candle alchemy. Candle alchemy? What in the world is candle alchemy? Ultimately, it sounded like the book was a shadow work manual, which I haven't really covered on the show before, so this seems like it was a good way to introduce it. I've not seen anything from this author before, probably because her work is released by a smaller publishing company, so I looked her up as well. From her website, lisamariebasile.com, I found the following. Lisa Marie Basile is a poet, essayist, editor, and chronic illness awareness advocate living in New York City. She's the founder and creative director of Luna Luna Magazine and its online community, and the creator of Ritual Proetica, a curiosity project dedicated to exploring the intersection of writing, creativity, healing, and sacredness. She is dedicated to sharing and uplifting voices of all sorts through her work. Browsing her work, it looks like she does a pretty good blend of poetry and magic. Related to the topics of this podcast, She has also authored Light Magic for Dark Times and City Witchery, Accessible Rituals, Practices, and Prompts for Conjuring and Creating in the Magical Metropolis. As an aside, when I looked up that last one on Amazon, it listed it as a flexi-bound book, which I had never heard of before. It turns out that flexi-bound is a technique that uses the binding technique for a hardback book but instead uses a flexible cardstock cover. But that is neither the book we are talking about, nor is the Magical Writing Grimoire a flexi-bound book. So, moving on. Early in the book, a question is posed. What is a Magical Writing Grimoire? Quote, At the intersection of ritual and writing, The Magical Writing Grimoire is an exploration of the inherent magic of language, which I often refer to as wordcraft or word witchery. It encourages you to peek beyond the veil to where your voice lives. It is made for writers and non-writers, witches and non-witches alike. It was written to help us create better, more magical, and more empowered lives. Okay. That's a pretty good marketing pitch. What is the actual content like? So in chapter one, you get an introduction to the book, describing the backstory for why the book itself was written, who the book is for, and a disclaimer that this is not a replacement for therapy. And finally, you get directions on how to use this book. Quote, You won't need to use the book in a linear fashion and I hope you don't. I recommend that you open the pages that call out to you. Resist the linear. Chapter 2, however, does serve as an introduction to the core ideas within this book, and it also offers some specific writing techniques for you to incorporate as you move through the book. Okay, so read this book in whatever order you want after chapter 2. Gotcha. Quote, Unattached to any specific tradition, belief system, or magical path, the magical writing grimoire leans into magic and the archetype of the witch, 
but is wide open enough for you to explore, adapt, and challenge its words. Okay, I can get behind this. I like the idea of a generalized guide for magic that can be adapted to anyone's practice. Let's take a look at the overall contents of this book. Flipping through the index, we have... Chapter 1. Magical Writing. Which is an introduction. After the actual introduction. Consider this a sequel to the prequel, but not the heart of the content. Chapter 2. Conjuring Your Voice. Writing your own spells and creating a ritualized writing practice. This one is pretty self-explanatory. Chapter 3. Healing Magic. This covers shadow work and self-healing, basically. Chapter 4. Manifestation Magic. Chapter 5. Mindfulness Magic. And finally, Chapter 6. The Grimoire Poetica. Magical Writing Practices and Living as a Word Witch. We've basically covered the overarching theme of Chapter 1 already. Lisa Marie tells some personal stories, states her intentions, and then leads us into Chapter 2. Now, the subtitle of Chapter 2 is Writing Your Own Spells and Creating a Ritualized Writing Practice, which sounds incredibly helpful. Immediately, she begins with elaborating on the importance of ritualizing the writing process. This is pretty good advice for someone who hasn't written professionally before, but it also brings witchy elements into it. She places a lot of emphasis on writing as therapy, coping, and really just as a brain dump. Get all that junk that's rattling around up there out of your head and onto the page. Why do we ritualize our writing? Because it gets us into a routine. It places a level of importance, or a level of sacredness, on it. This isn't something that you choose to do, it's something that you have to do. As she states, quote, Maybe you stretch every morning, or you meditate before you write. Perhaps you enter a trance state as you write. Ritual is a repetitive process that influences our bodies and minds. In doing so, we are wiring ourselves into ritual, and that energy attracts change. Repetition is the key. Once you are used to doing something, your conscious mind shuts off and you follow your task from muscle memory. Think about driving a car. When you first learn, you have to focus on keeping the vehicle between the lines on the road. As you progress, it becomes second nature, and you instinctively adjust as you travel. This allows you to carry on conversations, sing along to the radio, listen to podcasts, or even eat scalding hot french fries straight from the bag. The point is that ritual takes a task that requires focus and turns it into routine. That kind of sounds bad when you apply it to writing, but it's not making your content routine, it's making the process routine. It's in this chapter that we start seeing in-page writing prompts. For example, What words come to mind when you tap into your own light? And what is the story of your dark? Or, What are you afraid to write down? 
Are you ready to confront and embrace the unknown? Now, they're not all this edgy, but these are the ones that stand out to me when compared to other books with writing prompts in them. To me, this seems more holistic in that it confronts all parts of a whole person, including the parts that we try to keep hidden. Really, that's the point of shadow work. To confront the parts of ourselves that we keep hidden from the world, or worse, from ourselves. By confronting these parts of ourselves, we can address them, remove the power they have over us, and move forward. This chapter is on ritual, so we have to talk about how to establish your ritual and what it will look like. Lisa Marie starts out with ritualizing bathing. This isn't a groundbreaking idea by any means. Many magical systems have you start your workings by bathing in a blend of minerals, herbs, and oils. This book is no different. I think the most important part of bathing is that it creates a transition. Outside of bathing to remove dirt and grime that accumulates on our bodies, when do we bathe? Most of us in industrialized nations bathe in the mornings, evenings, or both. That morning shower says, Okay, it's time to begin a new day. While the evening bath says, It's time to relax and prepare to go to sleep. Oddly enough, bathing is a ritual unto itself. Consider how many shower thoughts you have. If you're like me, there's not as many in the morning and way too many in the evening. This happens because your body is on autopilot leaving your mind free to wander. The next part is somatics. This is a time where I've heard the word used, but I wasn't really sure what it meant. Luckily, Lisa Marie defines it for us. Somatics is a therapeutic practice often focused on resilience in order to deal with trauma. It integrates the body, the mind, and the environment. Somatics asks us to be non-judgmentally aware of our bodies. This awareness is called interoception, rather than disconnected from them. That sounds like it may be the opposite of what we are trying to achieve, but think of it this way. When something is happening to us, we are not able to ask ourselves how we feel and why we feel that way. We act and we react. Sometimes consciously, sometimes not. This happens more frequently when traumatic triggers are present. Somatics has us reflect on these situations, observe what we were feeling, what we were doing, and how we were reacting in order to get a better understanding of why we did what we did. This is a key component for ritual, because it allows you to look back at yourself and ask if you are in the proper mindset to continue, and, if not, why. Sometimes the answer will change the direction you take with your intended writing or magic. The final component to ritual is your working space. Lisa Marie entitles this, Designing Your Ritual Space, Accessibility and Aesthetics. This is useful, but I think the choice to use the word aesthetics leaves a bad taste in my mouth. 
It makes me think of interior decorating, and that doesn't exactly seem to mesh with the vibe we're trying to achieve. Then again, there are a lot of environmental factors that have an impact on you, such as sound, colors, temperature, and safety. You can't really get much done if you're in an uncomfortable environment. So, just ignore me and my aversion for her word choice. While I've already listed the key parts of ritual, there is another small subsection on altars. We've talked about altars on other episodes, and there really isn't anything new presented here, so let's move on. We have finally arrived to the meat and potatoes of this book. How to write your own spells and incantations. Quote, A spell is a set of actions or magical formula, especially with spoken words, intended to create a reaction. That's probably the best definition I've heard for what a spell actually is. Lisa Marie continues, Most books offer spells to be recited, but I have always thought it useful to write your own, or at least adapt spells, to your own needs, cutting or keeping what most resonates with you. Awesome! I'm pumped! She's going to teach us about rhyme, meter, alliteration, repetition, and all kinds of literary tools that make writing fun and engaging, right? Right? Before I get too critical, let's examine what is in the book. Step one for writing a spell is to set a goal or intention. This seems pretty straightforward. Lisa Marie elaborates, saying that you need to write this out, examine it, re-examine it, and make sure that you are quite clear in what it is you are hoping to achieve. Ask yourself the following questions. Will your spell hinder the will of another? How might this affect you? Will the spell bring you something that you know deep down is toxic and hurtful to you? but you've told yourself that you need it. Will the spell truly help you? Is your request attainable in some way? This isn't the limit of what to reflect upon, but more like prompts of what to consider in preparation for writing. Some of these may not have an acceptable answer. For example, if your spell targets a person at all, it will fall afoul of the first question. Then again, any action that you take against a person will subvert or hinder the will of that person, magical or not. This gets into a big, messy, gray philosophical area, and this probably is not the time or the place to get into it. The one question that I think is vitally important is, is your request attainable in some way? Magic can tip the scales in one direction or another, but if there is a 0% chance of something happening, it ain't gonna happen. It's like multiplication. It doesn't matter how big your starting number is. If you multiply it by zero, you're gonna get zero. So don't invest a lot of time and effort into something that you know won't produce results. 
The next step in crafting a spell. You need a materials list. This includes the items involved in the spell, plus any tools that you may need in preparation of said items. You may want a specially prepared candle for the spell, but do you have the oils, herbs, and powders to actually prepare said candle? Next, we have to consider when you perform your spell. Some spells may perform better at night, on a specific day, during a specific season, or during a specific moon phase. Granted, in this book, this is more of a mention of something to consider rather than a list of correspondences. There are quite a few tomes out there that really elaborate on the associations between certain times, objects, and aspects in magical creation. This book is not one of them, but then again, it's not meant to be. Following that, we look at the actions that you will take. This is pretty minimal and is basically physical actions used in the casting. Do you need to meditate before starting? Is there a breathing exercise associated? Do you need drums or possibly to perform a dance? You get the basic idea. Mostly, this will affect other aspects of spellcrafting, such as materials and, possibly, space you will need. Finally, we have the actual writing part, the incantation. Lisa Marie gives many examples of what to consider when writing your incantation. Length, intention, whether you will recite, sing, or scream the words, whether you memorize it or read it. She states, Although spell writing should be clear, if you understand your metaphors, the universe will too. There are no hard and fast rules. Except later, she also says, Write it all down once, and then go back and edit that. So, I guess there's one rule? But that's it. That's all the direction we get on how to write a spell. I get that she wants to leave it open to individual interpretation, but it would help to have some sort of guiding principle or structure for the actual writing part of this. After all, the book is entitled The Magical Writing Grimoire, and that is my biggest complaint about this book. We get a lot of why, but not a lot of how. There is more emphasis on the magical grimoire aspect than on the actual writing part. I only covered a small portion of this text, but the rest follows a similar pattern, but with far, far less detail. Topics include creating sigils, creating your own magical alphabet, bibliomancy, amulet charging, which seems like a weird inclusion for this subject, shadow work, Using techniques such as eulogizing your past self, giving your shadow a name, letters to the dead, etc. After the first half, it quickly devolves into a survey book on magical topics that utilize writing, language, words, and letters. It's really an interesting idea, even if the execution isn't great. Let's talk a moment about the book itself. Physically, this book is beautiful. It's a hardcover book with faux gold leaf on the page edges, 
an incorporated ribbon bookmark, faux marbled paper inside the cover, and absolutely beautiful minimalist watercolor and ink illustrations that remind me of Ciolo Thompson's tarot decks. The interior clashes a bit with the cover, which is super dark. Now that I think about it, the illustrations convey a contemplative melancholy, which really matches the author's writing and writing style. The only part of the layout that I didn't like was that a good portion of the book was written in two columns per page, which means you really only get four to five words per line. This makes it an easy read if you want to finish it in an afternoon. I tried to find more information on who did the artistic design, but it simply says, Design, Tanya R. Jacobson. So, awesome work, Tanya? I'm assuming that you did all the stuff that I just mentioned that I like? Oh, and a big plus in this book's favor. It has both a table of contents and an index. These are so frequently lacking in books like this. So thank you, thank you, thank you for including them, Sweetwater Press. My overall impressions of this book are... mixed? I like the idea behind the book, and I feel like it was headed in the right direction, but ultimately, it lacked depth on the content that caused me to buy the book in the first place. I don't need to know why writing is important in Spellcraft if I've already purchased this book. In fact, it seems like the author spends a good bit of time selling the reader on the idea of why writing is important and the roles it can play in your life. But I get it. I already bought the book. Now elaborate on the ideas that were presented. You don't need to sell me on the concept again. I also feel like the broad span of subjects was used to make up for the lack of depth. I would prefer to have seen fewer topics and instead more examples, guided tutorials, and instruction on a few key components of magical writing. I don't feel like this was meant to be a survey book, but we did get more quantity than we did quality. The book's not terrible. It has a place with beginners and people who are just starting to look into magical works. But if you are at all beyond the level of survey books, you will find this title severely lacking. If you can find it on a bargain cart like I did, go ahead and pick it up. Otherwise, maybe just grab a digital copy. Anyway, this was The Magical Writing Grimoire by Lisa Marie Basile. If you want to get yourself a copy, I'll post a link to it in the show notes. The Esoteric Book Club can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Patreon, YouTube, and at esotericbookclub.org. Intro and outro music is from the song Fight Don't Fight and is courtesy of Sarah Rudy and her band Hello June. If you want to hear more of their work, you can find them on bandcamp.com or at wearehellojune.com. Archive members, stick around. I'll be taking a close look at a rather unfortunate birthday present that I received so that you too know what to watch out for. For the rest of you, until next time, remember, stay weird.
Alright, you extra special weirdos, it's time to open the Esoteric Archive. My birthday was a little over a month ago, and one of the gifts I received was a magazine that the person thought would be a good fit for the podcast. Before I continue, let me say thank you for not only thinking of me, but also for taking an interest in my show. It really means a lot to me. That said, this magazine did make the podcast, but not for a good reason. Yes, I already discussed this with the person that gave me the gift, so this isn't really going to blindside them or anything.